It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about Axonix therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control, it gave me my life back. Axonix therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. A fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Bader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Look into my eyes and see your fantasy future. It's time for the Clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to get all of our content when available to you guys. And, of course, on bellyup.tv. If you missed the show, don't worry. Just download the Fox D Network app, and you can check out the Belly Up Sports TV category. We'll be there. It's on El Roku, on LG's, on Samsung, and newly acquired 
on Amazon Fire TV. And maybe Chris can give a little bit of a story that he just went through right before we came on to the show about that. And if you want to stay up to date with the show on the go, just do so when you download the favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. It always helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined with Chris Dowhauer. It is Thursday night, so he's back. And, of course, we got Brian Scott to kick off the show with the injury inquiries. But first, gentlemen, how are we doing? Chris, what was going on with your Amazon Fire story real quick? Well, funny. yeah, so I'm probably the person to speak about this because MD Nation knows I have my own technical issues constantly. But, um, you know, there has been a war I saw basically over Amazon showing the Thursday games and their stream that they're using. Some people say it's great and wonderful. Others said they're having issues and it's you know, a problem. And basically, it's, you know, what people have turned it into, well, you, your internet sucks, my internet's good, and people are going to war over whether or not Amazon's providing actual server, servers that actually service the people. I can tell you that Belly Up Sports TV on the Foxy Network on the Amazon Fire Stick now is going off without a hitch. That that I can promise you. <laughs> so, but I thought that was, yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> Brian, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, but uh, unfortunately, my streaming has not been good. And I've got a sweet internet set up. It's not me. It's, it's trash. Story. It's trash. Whatever you say, it's still trash, Brian. It doesn't matter. Look, My work just thankful. doesn't. I'm just thankful this week, the production team of Prime of Prime actually got their act together because last week they were missing the game clock at one point. They didn't have the down and distance at another point. It was all over the place. They seem to be a little bit more professional, at least from the first half I was able to watch. If you are... Hopefully, at the game simulcasting, you watch the game in the background, watch us on YouTube at the same time. I don't really care, but listen to the show either way. And uh, Brian, let's just get to, right to you with the injury yeah. inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, the first up was a big injury. Trey Lance, compound fracture. Now, is this similar to what we saw out of Dak or, and or Michael Thomas or no? Uh, very similar to Dak Prescott, uh, I would say, more than anybody. Um, fractured the fibula bone on the outside part of the ankle, but more importantly, he actually also tore some ligaments. If I had to guess, I, I would guess that he tore the deltoid ligaments, which are the ones on the inside part of the ankle, which in turn, the combination of those two injuries caused his ankle to dislocate, and that's what really the issue was, um, and that's why he's going to be out for the year. Um, when you have that deltoid ligament injury, on top of the ankle fracture, the fibula fracture, uh, it's a lot longer of a recovery. Not because the bone takes that long to heal, but because the ligament takes that long to heal after it's repaired. And in order to pre- prevent any chronic instability in the ankle, it takes a long time for that to heal. It's usually anywhere between four to six months of um, rehab and therapy before they're all cleared to go back to any type of sports-specific activities. And in football, with the contact and stuff, it's, it may even be a little longer. Um, closer to that six-month mark, which is why you're likely not going to see him back this year. Tough break for Trey Lance, Chris. We'll get into more about that and the 49ers later on in the show. Sticking with that team, though, they had a bunch of injuries come out of this past week. Tyrion Davis-Price, he goes yes. down with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and, and they've already made a statement that he's going to be out for several weeks. My guess is anywhere uh, between four to six weeks. Um, historically, we've seen that with a lot of the, the players in the NFL, and that's about right. Um, I've always opted, you know, or advocated for closer to the six week mark, just because from my experience, man, these high ankle springs take a long time to get better. When you look at guy, uh, guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, who's had that the last few years, Saquon tried to come back uh, a little prematurely and ended up uh, having to be out a couple more weeks. Um, they're saying uh, several weeks, they haven't given a timetable, but my guess 
is anywhere between four to six weeks. You could expect him to not be in. in. He got quite a bit of volume, but really didn't do too much with it. What are you going to yeah. say, Chris? I was going to say real quick, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good that 49ers spent extra emphasis looking for players who don't get injured. You know, that was their off-season priority two years ago, and this is really panning out well. Um, I think they're drafting really well with all that new mantra. Well, I mean, at some point, now I don't know if it's the same staff, but at some point, you might want to take a look at the staff because it's kind of weird. It's only happening to one team every single year. I'm just going to throw that out there. They might have some good news coming, though, because George Kittle finally back at practice the last two days. Yeah, he's been limited um, in practice, uh, not taking full reps, but he's not listed on the injury report anymore. So I think they're just working him back in slowly, but it sounds like he might be ready to go this weekend. All right, Brian, help me out here, man, because I had this guy, and it, he, he screwed me week one, and then all of a sudden he didn't play week two. Alvin Kamara, wh- what can we expect here? I mean, he again, he's questionable. He was limited in practice today, still coming off a rib injury. Um, this is this is going to be just one of those things where it really depends on how he's feeling. Um, it, it's going to be probably game time decisions for the next week or two. Uh, it's it's these are tough calls because there's really not much you can do for rib injuries aside from treating the symptoms and just giving it time to to heal. So I mean, there's no special MRIs or CAT scans. Very rarely do they require surgery. Um, there's not anything specific that you can do to make it heal faster, unfortunately. Um, and there's a lot of things that you can easily do to aggravate it. So, uh, it's tough. These things just require time. It's really going to be subjective on how he feels and whether, when he thinks he's ready to come back. But, you know, historically he's missed very little time due to injury throughout his entire career. Um, he's one of the guys that, you know, if he's going to be able to tough it out, he will. Um, you know, but as you start getting later into your career, things take a little longer to heal. So, um, you know, in early injury for him in the season, but uh, hopefully won't keep him off the, on the shelf too long. I, I would expect them back, if not this week, then probably next. Yeah, I got fingers crossed for him. How about another rib injury with Justin Herbert? Yeah, and I'm not sure why there's so many rib injuries lately, but there's been a bunch. Uh, unfortunately, Justin Herbert got probably the worst of them. Uh, it sounds like he had what they termed was a fractured rib, which, or I'm sorry, they, they called it a fractured cartilage of the rib. Um, those two things don't go hand in hand. Uh, you, you, the lower part of your rib cage is primarily made up of more cartilaginous tissue, not so much bony tissue. And he probably tore or injured that part of the rib cage, the cartilage part. Uh, very painful, difficult to bounce back from. It looked like it might have happened when he landed, was tackled and landed on the helmet of the opponent as he went down. He tried to throw after that and was struggling. Uh, he practiced a couple of days uh, this week and hasn't been doing any throwing as far as I know. Um, light throwing he, is how they report it. Yeah, and, and that's because he's probably still struggling. And that's concerning heading into the weekend. I mean, we're already into Thursday here. Um, uh, this could be a game-time decision. This could alter their game plan uh, if he does play. <laughs> he might not be able to uh, chuck it down the field like he can. Um, good thing he's got a great arm, so he can rely a little bit more on his arm strength rather than his technique. Um, but, you know, definitely going to affect his mobility and his passing game. Um Going to be probably one of those game-time decisions again. He's probably going to be listed as questionable. I don't think... If he's looking as bad as he did coming off that game, uh, he might not be good Be good to go. So, yeah, definitely going to be something to watch. And uh, yeah. not all the confidence in the world in this training staff when it comes to ribs slash lung injuries. <laughs> yeah, in fact, Tyrod Taylor is suing the doctor who's treating <laughs> Justin Herbert right now for the Cost collapsed lung that they caused when they tried to inject and give him a nerve block for the rib cage injury he had a few years ago, which was crazy. I've in all my career, I've never seen anybody do that. I know you can do that. Uh, uh, not recommended most of the time. Um, and that, that's for, for that specific reason. <laughs> crazy stuff. 
Uh, yeah, so we got uh, Julio. He's got a knee issue. He's still not practicing, and I don't care what the coaching staff is. There's no way it was a vet- veteran rest day two days in a row. No, this is starting to get a little bit odd now. Um, you know, a day here, a day there, perhaps, but then he missed a week already after having a great opening weekend. Not quite sure what's going on. That leads me to believe that this might be something more chronic that he's dealing with that they probably knew about, right. and we're hoping that he'd be able to get through it for longer than he has. Um, this doesn't strike me as an acute type of injury that they're dealing with. Otherwise, they would have had more reports stating what's the problem. Um, we haven't heard it. I haven't heard anything or read anything about him getting an no. MRI or any type of scans done. All I all I keep hearing about is he's out. He hasn't practiced today. Um, and that's concerning when you have a guy, you know, 12th, 13th year in the league, 33 years old at a skilled position. You wonder this is a chronic issue that crept up on him. Uh, that may have been some of the issues he was having in years past, too. Hard to say, but not looking good. Uh, Godwin, I'll just mention him real quickly. He's still not yeah. practicing. We don't expect him to be able to play. Yeah. What about Jerry Judy with his shoulder injury? So he also is dealing with a rib slash shoulder injury from this past weekend. And um, what did he? Uh, I got to look here. I got some notes in front of me. Jerry Judy did not practice Wednesday or Thursday this week. So that's no, a little didn't. concerning. Uh, could be really hampering his ability to be flexible enough to make catches if it's the shoulder and the rib. Probably two separate injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not looking optimistic if he can't get on the field for practice these two days. Some good news, Michael Gallup ACL. It looks, sounds like he's actually going to play this week. Now they already said he's going to be on the snap count, but what are you looking for out of Michael Gallup moving forward? Well, so, so funny thing is I, I posted a little, uh, questionnaire on, uh, Twitter, uh, yesterday, uh, asking who people thought were going to be back first, Gallup, uh, JK Dobbins or Chris Godwin. And Gallup was Everybody voted him dead last. He was way below uh, Godwin and Dobbins coming back. That was and a report. Actually, like everybody like acknowledged like he was going to come back till week three. And it looks like he might actually be the closest one out of all three of those guys. And um, well, he's like been, Godwin did play week one. Yeah, and and I was the one advocating that he probably shouldn't have, and now right, you see right. why. <laughs> right. Um, but Gallup, you know, uh, he's he's coming off a week seventeen, I think, injury. So he's still probably at about that nine month mark. Um, but that's that's. Pretty good. I mean, that's usually when you know you're ready to go. Um, and if he's been kind of working his way back in slowly, getting reps, uh, I, I think you're going to have to eventually get him out there. He seems like he hasn't had any major setbacks lately. Um, I think he's, uh, if he's not in there this week, I, I would be much more optimistic about next week. Um, but it sounds like they're going to at least make maybe make him available. I got two more for you. So we got Dalton Schultz dealing with his knee issue. Jerry Jones, ever the optimist, trying to make it sound like he can come out there and play. But do you think he will? So he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. I don't think he's going to be out there this it's week. It's a Monday game, so they usually don't practice on Wednesday anyway. Monday, Sunday for him, I don't think it matters this week, unfortunately, with okay. his injury. He's got a what, what's called a PCL sprain. So it's not your ACL. It's actually the opposite ligament to the ACL. It's your PCL. Not nearly as important uh, with stability for the knee, but certainly uh, is painful and takes time to get better. A lot of guys can play through this um, with partially or even completely torn PCLs and doesn't affect their career going forward. Um, but initially, it does cause a lot of swelling in the knee and can be very painful. Um, and it can be somewhat limiting, which is why we probably haven't seen him in practice. So I'm not optimistic about him being out there Monday night, unless he has like a major turnaround these next couple of days. Uh, and possibly next week, um, they're saying that he might be available i'm i'm a little bit less optimistic the good news is there wasn't anything else that was major structurally wrong in his knee on mri so we should be seeing him soon if not this week and last one for you james connor dealing with his ankle sounds like he's been practicing a little bit though 
Yeah, uh, I think he did some limited practice. Um, apparently, uh, he's had some ankle injuries in the past, which is a little concerning, but um, he did participate yesterday, limited with the team. And and according to the, uh, the staff and the team and James Conner, uh, it's not serious. So uh, I expect that he'll be in there uh, this weekend. He has been practicing. Sounds good. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Can't wait to have you back next week. Let the people know where to follow you at, where to follow your show, and what you're up to next. Yeah, um, I, I do a lot of my stuff on Twitter just because it's easy for me. It's uh, little shout-outs and uh, injury updates throughout the day, uh, throughout the week, uh, at host Brian Scott. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, The Injured List Podcast, my website, InjuredList.com, um, on, on, on Belly Up. Uh, I got another article coming out soon with Andrew LeDuck. Mr. Mallard. Uh, so you can take a look at some stuff on there. And I'm, I'll be dropping another uh, article talking about how to decipher these weekly injury reports um, before the end of the month here uh, as well in the Belly Up uh, Fantasy Network. So you can check that out there too. Sounds great. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. We'll see you again Wednesday night. All right, gentlemen. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thanks, you too. All right, Chris. It's time to di- dive into it, man. We got the clairvoyant Thursday. We got to reach into the future so we can help MD Nation make the right decisions heading into their weekly matchups. So let's kick this baby off with the obvious starts. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So the first four games we're talking about with this segment, we got the Eagles versus the Commanders. I'm getting better at that, by the way. The Saints versus the Panthers. The Jaguars versus the Chargers. And the Rams versus the Cardinals. My obvious starters of those quarterbacks are Jalen Hurts and Herbert, if he can go. Obviously, we're talking to Brian there. We'll have to see exactly what happens. Do they take the chance, give him the shot to try to null the pain? We'll have to see. But for now, we'll just stay away from Herbert because we really don't know until the injury. How about Jalen Hurts, man? Just like just tearing it up right now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps when you have an opposing offensive line, a plethora of weapons to kind of utilize, um, throwing in more accurate passes this year. And then on top of it, don't forget the legs. Continue to utilize them, especially in the red zone. So Jalen Hurts has got that floor, but also that nice ceiling. My number two quarterback heading into this week. Our obvious starters at running back, Christian McCaffrey. I got him at RB4, and then Austin Eckler at RB7. There was people talking earlier this week about seemingly like they were disappointed about Christian McCaffrey's usage, and I just sat there. I'm like, what else do you want? Like, with the the RB1s going on right now, it's not great unless you have, like, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon. Outside of that, Really hasn't been terrific the past two weeks. He gets 100 yards on 15 carries. He gets five targets. The week before, he scores, at least to make up for the fact that he didn't get the usage you would want. What else do people want? I don't know what else they want. Well, they want Cooper Cup, and I think that's what people are disappointed at. Right now, the running, <laughs> the running backs aren't putting the receiver numbers up. And I mean, I kind of talked about that coming into the season. We're kind of curious as the season progresses how it's going to unfold. I think people want Christian McCaffrey to do is they want to catch the ball. I think that's kind of, I mean, we all kind of on the show, we thought Baker Mayfield's a check down machine. Um, so we're kind of probably surprised that he's only getting targets he's getting. Um, and then it seems like whenever they decide they have to score points is when they utilize them in the playbook. But before that and between that, it's like we just forget we have Christian McCaffrey. So I do think there's definitely room for improvement. But as you're alluding to, the guys have played in two years. He's easing himself back into it. You're getting production. Um, you're getting production more so than most guys are getting out of their number one picks right now. So Christian McCaffrey is definitely still a must start. So that's one of the best floors you could have in your lineup at the running back position. And let's not forget, this guy has the ceiling waiting to explode at some point. 
Well, and let's also take that into consideration of Baker Mayfield's been really, really bad. We'll talk about more about that when we hit on DJ Moore in just a second. And like I said, Austin Eckler is an obvious start as well. Got back involved in the passing game. I don't care if Herbert plays or not. You're playing Eckler too. How about the wide receivers? So everybody's like a little bit down now on AJ Brown. Like, well, maybe he can't produce like an elite wide receiver because he had a game in which he had five catches for 60 something. It was funny watching him and Justin Jefferson basically do the same thing. I'm like, Look, guys, if that's their floor, that's pretty elite to me. Yeah, it's also going to be a reaction to game plan. I was trying to allude to this on your belly live on Tuesday nights. Um, we, we we basically are trying – we're seeing, you know, the second part of people's playbooks. You don't really have kind of the camp that you had. You don't have preseasons, and you know, all these teams kind of playing all their players together. So Devonta Smith's going to be involved. Goddard's going to be involved. It's not always going to be the A.J. Brown's throw. You kind of saw that with the Jefferson situation. So – some of these guys are not always going to have, you know, a buck 75 and two touchdowns. Sorry. But as you <laughs> talked about, AJ Brown still has one hell of a floor and he's not getting shut out or goose eggs out there. And the guy's definitely one of the more dominant guys you see right there. And Jalen Hurts still has his eyes locked for that guy. So don't worry. No, about the it. guy I would be more concerned about is Devonta Smith, even though he had the nice game. We'll talk about that later too. Uh, Cooper cup, obviously he's my wide receiver too this week. I am going Justin Jefferson. I think they even put more of an emphasis of getting Jefferson the ball against Detroit. So that's why he's going to be number one. We'll talk about that. I think I talked, we talked about that yesterday. So that's why he's my number one. Cooper Cosman, number two, both great. They'll be back and forward at the top. Uh, I don't have any obvious starters at the tight end position for this batch of games. So let's go ahead and dive into our lock em ins of the week. Lock them in. It's a lock. First up of these games, we got lock them in. Lock them in, Kyler Murray to your lineup. Now, that should be an obvious thing, but there's a reason why he's not my obvious starter. It hasn't looked pretty. In fact, everything with Arizona just looks like a struggle. Yeah, well, that's happens when your playbook is basically very limited in the beginning. Teams play a soft zone in the second half, and then you're able to kind of run your quote-unquote playbook. I think all you're really seeing is this team actually catches kind of fire in the second half um, because they're getting the dick and dunk passes they're looking for, but teams are squeezing that early on. And they're not really not able to kind of move the ball. The offensive line is pathetic. If Kyler Murray's not going to run, which he hasn't really shown a, a you know a willingness to do necessarily he did a little bit to the left one, but didn't do it much. He did, two. but he doesn't do much of it until when game time matters. That fourth right. quarter, that third, fourth quarter, you might get some scrambling, but he's not usually using that as a threat as much. So I think you see teams kind of keeping them honest. And Marquise Brown hasn't kind of adjusted how you hoped he would. And I'm sorry, you got to call Kingsbury out too. Um, this guy has a, you know a air raid offense and continues to kind of not. He decided what he wants to do. They're not pushing with pace. They're not throwing the ball to the outside. They have 5,000 tight ends on this roster, so you have Greg Dorch out there getting targets, and that's where you have a problem where, yeah, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray's not going to put the numbers which he went through the first three quarters, but regardless. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, hey. Can I carry those for you? Wow, thanks. Hey, I saw that. You helped the guy in the wheelchair take his groceries to the car. Always showing your good side. Know how else you could help him? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. By donating at Griffles Plasma, you make it possible for patients to live their best lives. 
And that feels really good. Hey, thanks again. No problem. Become a Griffles Plasma donor, and you can receive up to $800 this month. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. He's going to scramble around, make some points, have me some things happen at some point. So still a guy that you can obviously start. Still has a safe floor. That's why you lock him in. And things will get better for Kyler Murray because eventually Rondo will be healthy. Eventually DeAndre Hopkins will be back off suspension. So there's a lot of things to look forward to there too. Just kind of want to mention that. Matthew Stafford does crack my top eight this week. So you lock him into your lineups. He's a guy who's been kind of covering between that low end QB one territory, but they get to play the Arizona Cardinals this week which is awesome for everybody involved. So, Chris, let's talk about our Lockman running backs. I got Alvin Kamara. We just talked about him. Brian seems to be a little 50-50 about whether or not he's going to play. I feel like the team reporting has been a little bit more confident than that. I'm, I'm ranking him at RB11. Do you have any concerns if he does go? Well, that's one of the things I was going to ask Brian. You know, if him and Herbert, some of these guys, when they go, or is this just something that they're going to, you know, he talked about the pain that can be easily kind of triggered. Is it a pain threshold thing, or is this going to be something that can easily knock them out and they're trying to have them you know, on a set amount of reps or something? I have heard very well, so much what you've heard, Dan. He practiced today, so for me, if Alvin Kamara wasn't ready, you're not practicing him today. Play, practice well, limited yesterday. In a row. Well, that's what he did, as I said, limited yesterday. Basically, you stood around the corner and ran through something. But <laughs> Alvin Kamara today was actually through a full practice, and that's kind of where you have the good sign that they're rep, repping him, ramming him up. Practice report. I thought I saw limited. Yes, he had a, I didn't see the full. I thought he had a full practice play today. Um, so yeah, he's they're ramping him up. Um, and you really need Alvin Kamara right now because you, know, you talked about Jesus Winston earlier. Guys playing with four broken vertebrae in his back he isn't really able to kind of push the ball down the field. So they need Alvin Kamara sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. And then James Conner. Again, this is injury based if he's able to go out there and play but he just he has the touchdown floor which makes him an rb2 and that's why you kind of have to lock him into your lineups let's move to the wide receivers though let's go to michael thomas talk about a guy who's been consistent the past two weeks eight targets about 50 60 yards and touchdowns and that's just what it's been for michael thomas i'll say this no matter what's going on between olave and jarvis landry and we'll talk about that soon with thomas as soon as they get in the red zone that's where winston's going with the ball and if nothing else, Thomas doesn't look as explosive as he did a couple of years ago. He looks just as strong, and he's able to fight and get that ball in those situations. Yeah, this is where it's going to get interesting. So far, Atlanta secondary is definitely not achieved. They're one of the worst secondaries statistically right now. Major Charles pretty good corner, and I think that's right. where you're, you're kind of uh, matchup-wise. You talked about Michael Thomas can't kind of get separation versus a guy who's just as tall and just as strong in some senses. <laughs> it will be interesting. Um, what I do see, and that you're kind of alluding to, when it gets to red zone time, especially if Alan Kamara is not out there, you're probably locked onto two targets. It's going to Michael Thomas or maybe, maybe Hill, just because he's the guy out there for gadget plays. But that's pretty much all they have really utilized in the red zone. Landry and Olave aren't guys really looking for, or James isn't really now actually looking for. So the other two guys I think have, you know, a safer floor. Michael Thomas is a little bit touchdown dependent because you're not really seeing quite the volume you're used to. But you also have to kind of, you know, point that out to James isn't really doing anything for the first three, four quarters to like well, the last two minutes. Talk about Chris McCaffrey working his way back. Michael Thomas is working his way back and successfully. So I would say it to this point, uh, how about the charger receivers? I'm locking them both into my lineups. Again, this will be contingent on Herbert and Keenan Allen, even who has been practicing limited capacity. We weren't able to ask Brian about him, but I do have him as my wide receiver 12 against Jacksonville. If he can go, I do have Mike Williams as my wide receiver 23. So both guys I'm making sure in my lineup, I will say this, if it winds up being Chase Daniel, then Michael Williams would probably fall into my wide receiver three status. I would still lock in Keenan Allen as long as he is out there because Chase Daniel, if nothing else, 
They'll check the ball down or throw it short. There you go. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen is probably the safest guy. I'm a little bit worried about Mike Williams. People are kind of assuming this Jacksonville defense is what it had been in the past, and they got some pieces. And, in fact, we look statistically, fantasy-wise especially, they're actually one of the better ones right now. And they're getting pressure. They're getting a lot of pressure. And their corners can match up with some certain guys. So I think Keenan Allen's going to be able to kind of eat, especially with that kind of third and 16, third and 15 opportunities where you can definitely see Keenan Allen being fed. Mike Williams is a guy I'm a little bit more cautious about because they have a good secondary. They have Shea Checker been out there. They have a guy that drafted in you know, last year that has really stepped it on this offseason. So they have some pieces in that secondary. Um, the one, like I said, Keenan Allen to me is kind of money in the bank as long as he's healthy. Look, this is where stats can get screwed. I believe that they're young and they're upcoming and they're definitely better than what they were a season ago. However, you played against the Colts last week with no Michael Pittman and no other receivers to be seen. That was atrocious. And then Washington, everybody scored. McLaurin had a touchdown. Curtis Samuel lit it up. Jahan Dotson had two touchdowns. So there was production to be had when you played against actual wide receivers, unlike what the JV squad rolled out there last week in the Indianapolis Colts. So I do think there's part of it that goes into that as well. Uh, and my last lock of in is Marquise Brown. Has it been what we wanted it to be so far? However, you look around, who's got targets? He's got one of the safer floors you can have in a game that could be a shootout. Yeah, you're just waiting for Arizona actually to have Baylor pass protect long enough to kind of get him down the field. But you're also seeing Marquise Brown kind of getting into shape. This guy really didn't have any camp. Was kind of had the hamstring issue, had different things, ailments he kind of dealt with throughout camp. So he hasn't really been out there. And this is pretty much you know his third week of kind of getting active and running. So Marquise Brown's built on explosiveness. He's going to get more explosive as he gets healthier. And I think, as you kind of talked about, we're just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg. Time for them jaw-dropping on my lock-em-in tight ends. Guess who I have at number four? Tyler freaking Higby. Because that's how bad the tight end position has been outside of the top three. And he leads the league. He leads tight ends. He leads the league in targets, believe it or not. As long as Van Jefferson continues to miss Tyler Higby is an integral part of the offense not Allen Robinson Tyler Higby yeah the second leading target receiver on that offense and we know Matthew Stafford has propensity to throw to tight ends the only problem seems to be is Tyler Higby can't catch the freaking ball he's supposed to do and that's that seems to be the only thing capping him right now because Matthew Stafford's definitely peppering him targets Absolutely. And Zach Ertz, I got him a tight end five. Looked a lot better last week. Looked like he's a little bit over that calf issue. He also gets a ton of targets with Kyler Murray trying to throw it over the middle field. He will, he's, I mean, look, this is the guy that I said, look, you draft him, you try to sell him high before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But in the meantime, he's probably a top six tight end during that time frame because we know how the Cardinals target him all the time in that situation. Let's talk about Dallas Goddard. This is, this is where it gets tricky. You have to play Goddard at tight end eight, but a little bit, a little bit hit or miss as far as what his overall usage could possibly be. What do you think it is this week? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because you do like God, you love the talent, but as you kind of alluded to, you know, Devonta Smith will get to, you know, these different guys in the Eagles can eat and versus Washington defense. It can be the running backs. It could be AJ Brown. It could be a plethora of different guys. So it's going to be kind of hard to see, will it be God or will he be heavily enough involved? I've had my concerns going into the season, you know, so far they've kind of been alleviated somewhat because he's been, moderately utilized, but there's also a great pace they've had. Now, that can be happening again with Washington, where this can be our typical NFC East game where you expect it to be high scoring, and it winds up being like 17-13. So that's where I just have a little trepidation. Like I love Goddard's talent. I just worry that they have to actually use him versus Washington. 
Logan Thomas makes my top 10. I'm locking him into your, your, your lineups. I locked him in last week. It was a good call. I don't know how he's back this fast, but he is. And I told you guys to pick him up. If you want a top 12 tight end to stop streaming at that position, that was the guy available to you on the waiver wire. I, do, I believe he is over 50% owned at this point. Chris, let's dive right in to our lookout for us heading into this week. Look out for... All right, looking out. These are the guys we talk about all the time. These are either sleepers or they're guys that maybe they won't perform up to expectations. The first guy I want to talk about is Carson West. Great first two weeks. Everybody in fantasy is trying to figure out, do I play him or Brady or him or Rodgers or this or that? This week, stay away. The Eagles' defense is not the matchup that I want to play Carson Wentz against. Not the matchup and not the game in particular. Look, Carson Wentz, I like him as a player, but I will freely admit emotions don't work well with him. So this could be a very emotional game, and I kind of have concerns that he could throw high, which tends to do even when he's not emotional, and this could be really ugly really fast. So I don't like him this week. I don't think Carson Wentz is a horrible play, but it's not a guy that I love the upside with. Got a comment in here, Marcus Marcus Aurelius, love the name. Uh, speaking of tight ends, Njoku is going off tonight. Check out his stats. Yeah, seven catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Brissett was targeting him early. And uh, you, know who, you, know, well, you know who I don't see on the stat sheet right now is Harrison Ryan. Bryant. Yeah. Oh, how about that? You actually play the guy you paid. But this is my problem with Njoku. This is what Stefanski does, and this is what Brissett does. They get, him, they get them both involved, and you never know what's going to happen. We'll see if this continues, and we'll talk about that in the recap during the Sunday Funday matchup. Getting back to my lookout for us, Jameis Winston. He's got a bad back. Both Winston and Carson Wentz are guys that are coming in at that mid-level QB2 for me. I think you have better options to be able to turn to. Go to the running back position. So I do have Miles Sanders as RB21 heading into this week. He's been incredibly efficient. That's always been the story for Miles Sanders. That touchdown he scored in week one might be the last touchdown he's allowed to score. I, it's just Because Hurts just keeps running it in. That's the problem that he run, runs into. So I think Miles Sanders has a safe floor as an RB2, but doesn't really have much of a ceiling. So here's my advice. If he has another decent game, it'll be a third week in a row he's had one. I think he will against Washington. You might be able to sell him a little bit higher for an RB2 that maybe has some more upside or a wide receiver two of your week at that position with a little more juice heading down the rest of the season because, frankly, comes to Miles Sanders, he frankly is what he is, a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. I can see what you're saying, but I also think he's a great home run part to kind of throw out there, too. Miles Sanders can break the long run. Now, he didn't have any long runs per se with touchdowns last year, but he can rip off runs, average over five yards per carry. And as you kind of alluded to, one of the guys who can kind of have limited touches and still be very effective because of those yards per carry. I, I don't like the touchdown upside, but I do like the big play upside. And we're especially versus a Washington team that you've seen give up big plays to the running back. You saw Swift break off big runs. You saw Robinson come back in the first week of, you know, major injury basically and run all over them. And even ETN did really well that game. So I think this this, is, this team in general since last year has really struggled to stop the running back position. And Miles Sanders is a, is a nice play this week with some upside. We got the Washington running backs. Guess who's back at practice today? He can't play yet. But that was, that was Brian Robinson coming back. I'm warning you guys now, you got to sell Gibson while you can. I don't know if you'll be able to after this week. I don't know if he's going to have a great week. I have an RB23 just on the off chance that Carson Wentz inexplicably continues this. I actually throw the running back situation now. That's why we got Gene McKissick at RB41 at the moment. Like, I, 
this is not the Carson Wentz that I've, I've known this entire time. Since when does he dump it down to the running back? If you get another decent game, sell him while you can. Brian Robinson is going to be in the mix, I believe, moving forward. Well, just to point out real quick, Daniel, before Boston Scott was a red zone, you know, theme, um, he was involved and in why he's probably in the league is because he's a pass catcher and Carson Wentz is a big part of it. Boston Scott actually was never a big pass catcher for them. That's what he's supposed to be, but he never that was his role, though. That. that was his role, and that's kind of why he got actually kind of you know, was make the team continues to play in the NFL in a sense. But Carson Wentz definitely likes to utilize his running back. That narrative was I think more out of last year and Naheem Hines' usage than it has been kind of his usage in the build up. We'll have, to, we'll have to go back a little bit further than that because he hasn't been dumping it on the running backs for a while. You can go back and look at the Eagles stats. Scott played that role, but he didn't have much production in that role. Uh, going forward, though, here, the Jacksonville Jaguar running backs, look out for them. I do have Robinson as a top 24 back this week against the Chargers. You do think you plug and play him as an RB2. What we've seen is that he's got the goal line role. He's got the early down role. He's got the short yardage role. Kind of what we expect. But I also have Travis Etienne at my RB28. He still played way more in passing situations. And if Herbert does play, I might move him down, actually, if Herbert doesn't play. But if Herbert does play, this should be a game in which Jacksonville is either going back and forth or having to catch up from behind. I am not moving off of Etienne being a flex play, at the very least, this week. Yeah, this is in the game that I have a great vibe for. I have James Robinson in my my own leagues, and I'm not really sure what to do with him. I like what I've seen. But I've also seen the Chargers significantly improve so far statistically and on, you know, for my eyes from last year's run defense that was terrible. Um, I don't know how much significantly it's because teams haven't really had to use a running game. So that's where I'm kind of curious. That's why I wanted to see this week. It's going to really just be, can you go with both guys? You core week one, you could ride them. Last, you know, last week, I kind of burned doing so. Um, this week, I think there's a chance, especially with the shootout, and, you know, occurs. But also this Charger defense is pretty good. They are. They are. But you can still run up the middle against them. You can still throw it down to the running backs. How about another tandem that I also have both being RB3s and possible plays in your lineups? And now we go to Rams. Darrell Henderson. I have an RB26. I got Cam Akers at RB30. Life finally comes back to Cam Akers after he gets 15 carries. Was it particularly efficient? Darrell Henderson still had more passing routes and still more involved in that situation and was the more efficient running back and got the touchdown. But you're playing against the Arizona Cardinals this week. I kind of feel like if you're going to play Cam Akers, it's now or you wait until Henderson gets hurt. Yeah, unless I act like Henderson was super efficient with his touches week one either, a pretty similar touch. No, you just you a know, little bit better. That's all. Yeah, um, so you know, he he had like 15 or whatever carries or 50 something or 48 yards. Um, so it's not like he was super explosive that week one. Cam Akers was not great last week, but also was definitely involved. So people are definitely you know, encouraged. And you just said, as you said, you're playing Arizona. So to me, whatever running backs you have going against Arizona, you're probably going to try to play as many as you possibly can. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Let's talk about Devonta Smith. I kept alluding to him earlier on the show. I don't want people to get too excited. In fact, I even have him ranked at wide receiver 45 right now to reflect how I don't want people to get too excited. Again, I go back to it. It was A.J. Brown's floor game. And Smith only out-targeted him by, I think, three I think it was three extra targets that Devonta Smith saw in that game and they were playing way off the ball that was terrible defense I don't know what the Vikings were doing defensively actually now that I think about it AJ Brown more times not is going to be the featured beast within this offense this is still a run first team it's a little more run balanced than it was last season but it's still a run first team nonetheless 
That means it's going to be very hit or miss with Devonta Smith. We've already seen it. When he's this floor game, it's going to be a very low floor. There's other options I want to go to with, especially this week, that I think A.J. Brown is going to eat. Yeah, this is also a coaching staff that, you know, tends to have to be reminded what they're supposed to use or supposed to feed, you know, feature in a sense. So they were reminded, you know, after week one, Devonta Smith basically disappearing, that they had Devonta Smith on their team. They had to use him at some kind of point. So right. they did. And they but they easily, the other way. Yeah, but they easily forget, you know, after that, you saw with Miles Sanders, et cetera. So this isn't anything new. All right, Chris, I got a good one here for you. The Washington receivers, all three of them. I'm going to throw up in my mouth a little bit. I have Curtis Samuel at 22, and I have Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 26. I have to. The, the offense is centered around Curtis Samuel just getting all these little bubble screens and all these little squants and just tearing up the whole entire middle of the field. Terry McLaurin's job is to go deep. It's also a bad matchup. McLaurin's going to have Slay on him. Bradbury's going to be on Jahan Dotson. So, yeah, Curtis Samuel is probably the safest receiver to go to for Washington. Yeah, and Gardner Johnson's no slouch and you know, hybrid safety they acquired from New Orleans this offseason. So he was one of the top-rated you know, hybrid corners last year. So this is not an easy guy to kind of take advantage of. I know Curtis Samuel's been eating. I know that he's been kind of having that you know role, and he definitely has as long as he's in the slot, he'll probably continue to have that role. I do worry about the ceiling in this game. The Eagles can tackle, um, and I think this is going to be a little bit tougher matchup than they've kind of seen. This isn't Detroit. This isn't Jacksonville. So this is a little bit different. I'm kind of interested to see my personally if Curtis Samuel's going to continue to eat the way that he had. Terry McLaurin, I agree with you, has kind of been hit or miss, but it's so hard not to play this guy just because, you know, when he hits, he's great. I just wish they would feature him a little bit more. <laughs> we'll have to see exactly what happens this week. They should feature him a little bit more, but I don't know if this is going to be the week to do it. What about the Saints receivers? So we talked about Michael Thomas. Now we had one week where Jarvis Landry went crazy, and now we had last week where Chris Olave had 13 targets in a very solid game. Long-term, it's Chris Olave, obviously. But is it week three, Chris Olave over Jarvis Landry? I got him at wide receiver 40 with Landry at 48. I'm going to go probably not just because what I've seen is a definite effort to use Olave, but it's down the field, which Jameis can't do right now. He wants to steal a cow, but he just can't get it there. And oh, he he's still putting effort into it, that's for sure. He is. He's putting targets out there for him, but they're not anywhere getting close to home right now. So unless Jameis all of a sudden you know, gets way more healthy, which I haven't heard necessarily – um, I think there's more fear about the other thing that he's not kind of improving enough. So I worry about the kind of upside Ave has. He definitely have a big play at any moment, but Jarvis is kind of that, you know, depending on whole security blanket. Didn't have a great game last week, but kind of think also part of the matchup. And it's all big, it's all based on Jameis. I think when this guy can, you know, throw the ball around, then they should be fine. But when he's not, it's really limiting this offense in general. The good news for them is that uh, I think Baker Mayfield is going to give them plenty of opportunities because that's what he's been doing so far. Uh, talking about the other wide receivers, talking about Carolina, DJ Moore, like that, like that pivot. DJ Moore, wide receiver 25. I cannot put him in the top 24. He got the touchdown last week. That's what bailed everybody out. But he's not getting the targets. You drafted DJ Moore to be a target monster. Baker Mayfield has shown he'll be a target monster for guys like Jarvis Landry. DJ Moore is just a more explosive Jarvis Landry, is he not? So why are we not getting him the ball? Because Shy Smith is playing. That's why we're not getting him the ball, Dan. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean, this is ridiculous. I have to watch Shy Smith go over DJ Moore and we got Ronnie Anderson in the slot. Like, did we not see this two years ago with Joe Brady, how effective DJ Moore could be in the slot? And Robbie Anderson also could be in the slot, but now we have to watch Shy Smith. Yeah, so that's pretty much the problem. I do think DJ Moore still has a lot more you know, brighter days ahead of him. Still a type of route runner that can kind of click with Baker Mayfield. 
reminds me kind of Al Robinson, where this guy is, you know, despite the quarterbacks, somehow, some ways, can be productive. It might only be 40 yards, it'll only be a touchdown, but somehow he usually shows up for you. So I, I think DJ Moore, the ceiling's definitely limited right now, but you still feel like this guy can kind of get you something. It's the quarterback, it's the head coach, and it's the offensive coordinator because Ben. Akawa. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on, time out real, real quick, and I'm going to say it real fast. I know we don't have a lot of time, but. Can we just point out that they're talking about putting Christensen back out at tackle again because the cow is such a revolving wheel. And <laughs> while Baker's been terrible, he's also been under pressure over 55% oh, yeah. of the time. 55% of the time, you hike, 55% of the time you say hike, you're under pressure because there's a turntable <laughs> at number, this guy was awesome, left tackle, had to get to learn on the job. Well, that's not working so well for him right now. Uh, Nick Chubb, in case you're wondering what's going on in the Thursday night game, just scored a touchdown. Just keep you guys up to date there. Uh, let's move into, we got Allen Robinson. He is a top 36 receiver for me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. It was nice to see, again, it's kind of similar situation to DJ Moore. It was nice to see him get the touchdown, but if he doesn't get the touchdown, I question his involvement. You have to play him against Arizona. If he doesn't have a nice target performance against Arizona, I think we're going to be talking about him as a low-end wide receiver three here or there. And then, you know, Greg Dortch, because Rondell Moore is probably not going to play. He's been, especially in full-point PPR leagues, he belongs in your flex. Just blah, disgusting there. Chris, I'm going to kick this guy to you because he's been your boy ever since but I have a word of caution. So Jared Everett does come in as my tight end 13 this week, which makes him my top streamable tight end. Donald Parham may return this week. Now, I don't know how much he's going to do his first game back, but Jared Everett has been splitting time. Parham is a better pass catcher than Trey McKitty is. So if you're going to stream Jared Everett, I think this might be the last week to do it. Yeah, I'm not huge on that if Keenan Allen's healthy. It's that simple. You saw Everett spike when Keenan Allen went down. When Keenan right. Allen's out there, Mike Williams eats. Everett falls down the food chain, as you alluded to. Then they can be now you're splitting with you know Parnum. Eckler is yet to be involved for some reason in, my, in the passing attack. So they still have a lot of other mouths they could feed. I I am big on Everett. This isn't necessarily a game that I love him. It's a good matchup though. So you like as you pointed out, if you're going to play him, this might be a week to make sure you I mean, one last kind of week to squeeze out. So after this, it might not be such great with Keenan Allen returning. All right, let's get to our be cautious of for this group. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be an odd game for him because, well, there could be a lot of volume again, but outside getting the ball to Christian Kirk, there just hasn't been much efficiency. And from a fantasy standpoint, what's driving me nuts with him is that, hey, Trevor, you have legs. You are mobile. And he just refuses to use it. I don't understand it. Yep. Attention, Doug Peterson. Um, I think that's one thing that I haven't seen improve. 
And I have been really impressed overall. I think Doug Peterson, some credit, it's only been a couple of weeks. But Trevor Lawrence looked well, way more comfortable. Last year. We'll, say that. well, it is, but I also will say that you know Trevor Lawrence didn't play great. He actually played missing good throws, and he still only missed four or five throws last week. So when you didn't play good, you missed some throws, and you still completed you know most of them. That's pretty good coaching. It means putting position to succeed. Christian Kirkman put position to succeed. Travis Etienne had a great game, but he could have had a good game. He dropped an, an easy ball. So I think Trevor Lawrence is kind of finding his groove. It might not be the greatest opponent necessarily this week to kind of find that groove. After right. the pummeling, they kind of and the Chargers are kind of defense is going to probably be fired up a good pass rush. But I will say Jacksonville's been playing with pace, and so are the Chargers. So it is a sneaky play in some senses. You might have a chance risk some turnovers, but Trevor Lawrence usually has some volume, so there's a good chance you're going to get in this volume that you'll know, have a floor there. Yeah, I don't mind taking a DFS shot, maybe, but that's about it. Uh, I'm not playing Baker Mayfield, obviously, and we're not playing Robbie Anderson, okay? Because outside the big play, it's all I can hit. I don't like the matchup against the Saints, and we're not playing Taysom Hill. Okay, last week showed you why that usage, that gimmicky usage is nothing you can hang your hat on from a week to week basis and not playing any Panther tight end. So we're going to do is take a quick break, come back on the other side, get to our last four matchups of week three. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their T-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to this flare-point Thursday. Looking into your fantasy futures to help all of you guys out. We're back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to catch all of our content. And check us out on bellyup.team on any web browsing device. You can also find us on the Foxy Network app, which is newly available on the Amazon Fire Stick right now. Look for the Belly of Sports TV category. You can find us there. And just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review to help us out. We got and our, our streams last... always work. And our streams always work, unlike the 
debate going on with <laughs> with the with the prime video for the Thursday night game right now. Our last four games, Chris, are you ready? It's the Falcons versus the Saints, the Packers against Tampa Bay, the 49ers against Denver, and Monday night, Dallas versus the Giants. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because the Monday night game, no one's going to be ready for the Monday night game. I'm, telling, I'm going to tell you that right no, now. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, I was saying the top obvious moment. I think I might fit right there. So they're doing doing a horrible job with these Sunday and Monday night games so far. Well, I'll tell you right now, this is why we play fantasy football, because even the Giants and Dallas Cowboy game can have some action in it. But let's talk about our obvious starters for these slate of four games here. And I don't have any quarterbacks that you're obviously starting out of these four games. So let's move into the running backs. Saquon Barkley talking about that Monday night game. <laughs> People actually had the nerve to be disappointed because Barkley didn't go for 160 yards on the ground last week again. <laughs> the guy's healthy and getting a ton of work. And if that's his floor game, over 25 touches, I'll take it. He'll be fine. And then I have Leonard Fournette as my other obvious starter. Tampa Bay wants to win right now by running the ball with Leonard Fournette and playing defense. Yeah, he also plays a majority of the snaps and is involved in the had more routes run than any receiver on that team. <laughs> Which, when you look at the receivers that are available right now, it's not saying much. Uh, <laughs> obvious starter, Debo Samuel. So let's, let's talk a little bit here about the quarterback situation. Everyone on the 49ers, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, even Jeff Wilson, have all gotten a bump up. It's unfortunate what happened to Trey Lance. There's no doubt about it. I don't wish injury, especially a really bad injury like that. It takes a long time to recover from. But the 49ers are better, and everybody else is better as a result to this with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. Make no mistake. I know there's some truthers out there who want to say, well, Trey Lance had the ceiling. When you're watching that game, look what was going on before when Trey Lance was in the game. Look what happened when Jimmy Garoppolo took over. Looked like two different offenses to me. One moved, one didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that was also part of the emotion of watching a quarterback who struggles to do anything competent versus a guy who's already been there, done that, and didn't even play, you know, or even practice with this team basically this entire offseason. Um, I just was disappointed. I talked about this yesterday's show that Trey Lance's injury cost us the, you know, the moment to say, I told you so finally, because I'm so tired of waiting. It's going to be five years before the guy plays quarterback position. He hadn't played in college his whole senior year, basically. He didn't play last year. Played like two games, got hurt. Played like two games, got hurt. See a pattern here, guys? So I don't know if we're ever going to get, you know, the Cruiser's going to on Trey Lance, but I agree with you that this team's way better. The only person I do worry, and I'll be honest with it, is Brandon Ayuk. I think the, the best friend thing does pay off, and I think he was the number one targeted guy he wanted to go to receiving-wise. Now, Debo could eat more, and Brandon definitely had a great second half of the season last year. But that's just my personal thing. I think that he suffers a little bit. Well, that's what I was just going to bring up. Brandon Ayuk had a fine second half of the season with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. It just depends on how they're going to use Debo Samuel. Uh, speaking this of line's not good, by the way, though, so that's also good interesting. I'm sorry, what? So that offensive line's not very good either. So they, while they played a lot of motion this past game, the offensive line's going to have its hands cut out for it. So I'm really interested to see how it's kind of unfolds. So. The interior in particular. The tackles are still good. We'll see how the interior is able to hold up. Uh, George Kittle, if he plays... And I, the reports I saw was that in practice, at least, while he's limited, they're like, he looks like George Kittle out there. So that's the good news. 
He is my tight end six. And that's me just being a little bit cautious on him just getting back with the groin injury. But also good news for him to have Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. Jimmy stays, I stay. Never been at that <laughs> reference, but I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> all right, that's the, all the obvious stars I have for this slate. So let's dive into our lock them ins. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm starting off with a controversial one to kick off the gate, and I'm locking in Cordell Patterson as a top 24 running back this week, guys. I'm doing it. He's an RB2. Yes, he had to split time with Tyler Algier. He was more effective than Tyler Algier, by the way. Four yards carry compared to three. I don't know why, and this is where I'm going to start getting on Arthur Smith pretty soon about this and about the Kyle Pitts thing. I don't know why Avery Smith had to play 20% of the passing network, 20% of the routes. I, I don't know why that was a thing. If you look, if you just saw the box score, you'd be like, oh, what's the big deal? Avery Williams only had one target. Yeah, well, so did Corder Patterson in that game, and you're taking away precious reps from the best player in the backfield. It makes no sense. So I will start to get on Arthur Smith pretty soon if that continues. But they got a nice game against Seattle. Patterson's definitely the best player in that backfield. I think the usage gets a little bit course corrected from week two. So I'm locking in Patterson as a top 24 running back. I want to do that, but I also have very much trepidation after last week's spackle of you know, usage of Cordell Patterson. I don't understand why you're not using this guy in the passing attack. Now, I will caution that the plan was to have the Williams be a starter for this team, and Cordell Patterson is not going to be the guy that you saw week one. So people kind of expecting that to come happen again isn't going to happen. It's going to be pretty much a 50 split or some kind of rotation of split. Now, what you're hoping for is those money touches, and that's where you're hoping to be involved in the passing attack as you're leading to being out there on third down instead of Avery Williams, a converted third down corner, playing running back. Look, last year, Mike Davis was the starter. I think people just forget that. Cordell Patterson was phenomenal because, like you said, he got the, he got the money touches. I don't need Cordell Patterson to get 22 carries. What I need is him to get somewhere between 8 and 10 carries with 5 to 7 targets. And that's what should be happening. That's what needs to happen. And that's what we're going to wait to see what happens here with Seattle. But I am locking him in. He should be in your lineups this week. Uh, Obviously, Aaron Jones. He makes my top 12 after his great performance a week ago. He should be locked into your lineups. He's showing what he can do even when he splits time with A.J. Dillon. No concerns there. And Javante Williams, I got him at RB14. The interesting thing about Javante Williams right now is that he is clearly ahead of Melvin Gordon when it comes to the passing down work. They're still kind of splitting it up with the carries, but he's clearly leading the way when it, when it comes to pass catchers. Yeah, he's Aaron Jones last year. I mean, I think that's basically what you see. You're seeing the usage of Aaron Jones was that as that pass catcher and that there will not Melvin Gordon won't catch the ball. Like, he still had you know, 37 targets, caught 34 from last year. But clearly, Aaron Jones was the pass catcher. So I think that's what you're seeing this kind of emerge. I'm also locking in Jeff Wilson as a top 20 running back this week. I got him at 20 exactly coming into the week. Tyrion, I, he, I know he, he still had 18 carries last week, even though Tyrion Davis-Price had 14. And people were surprised with that. They're like, oh, we're worried about this. I think people just forgot like how much Kyle Shanahan runs the ball as long as he can run the ball in games. But also, you take him out of the mix. Now you're down to... Marlon Mack off the practice squad and maybe special teamer Jordan Mason. Trey Lance is out of the way. So now all of a sudden the guy vulturing touchdowns is out of the way. Jimmy Garoppolo might check the ball down a little bit more than a Trey Lance would. And there's going to be more throw attempts in general with Jimmy back there, more volume to pass game. I just like Jeff Wilson's floor, even against Denver, who hasn't been that great against the run this so far this year. No, they haven't. And they, you know, he definitely has more of a floor as you lose to not getting some vulture touchdowns, but you also 
you know, talk about the different guys they've kind of brought up and have involved or possibly could involve. None of those guys are third down backs. So that's where he's kind of that, that ace in the hole for this 49er backfield. And one of the few guys who gets to play there in the past, past situations or regardless of kind of how the game unfolds, they could fall behind and not be able to run the ball, you know, 50 times and he still gets his touches. So he's done one of the safer floors you could have in your lineup. Let's move on to my lock them in wide receivers. And I got Drake London at wide receiver 18. Lock them in as a wide receiver too. Everyone's asking where's the use for Kyle Pitts, but it's all going to Drake London. That's where the usage is for Kyle Pitts. And I love this matchup here against the Seattle Seahawks. No questions about that, right? I was going to say real quick, the only thing that holds Jeff Wilson does is Jeff Wilson sucks. But a person who does not suck is Drake London. Uh, London is definitely hitting you know this, the NFL scene, showing you definitely high volume, but also still you know, PFF's uh, top second uh, second rookie this, again this week, uh, first last week of getting yards per over expected. Um, still kind of dominating more so than even puts up in the stats. So there's even more room for protection uh, up, uptake for this guy. Hasn't really dominated in the red zone yet. So Drake London is a guy that I love in my lineup. Has a super safe floor. The volume we just talked about, I still think they haven't seen the ceiling yet. Totally, totally agree. Cortland Sutton, got to love him this week. I got him at wide receiver 13, just outside my top 12. No, I don't expect Jerry Judy to play. He's going to have to be the go-to guy here. With nobody else, he's going to be a target hog, I believe, this week. Had a good game last week. All about Cortland Sutton. Yeah, the only thing holding them back right now is basically getting their touchdowns because their right. coach is an idiot. Russell Wilson just can't do anything right now. So <laughs> hopefully that corrects corrected at some point. But Cortland Sutton definitely still is feasting versus, you know, that the offense looked pathetic, but he still had hard 22 yards last week. So Cortland Sutton's definitely must start. Kind of already started hearing the whispers a little bit this week, but I'm a little curious. If they go out and lay 16 points for the third week in a row, is there a possibility Nathaniel Hackett gets fired within year one? <laughs> well, let's point this out, that this is not the ownership who brought him in as a coach. This is true. This is valid. We'll have to go from there. Uh, moving on here, CeeDee Lamb is a loose lock as a wide receiver, too. I say loose because he's right at 24. He's at the cusp. But I think last week showed you that Cooper Rush will at least get him enough volume. He got 11 targets again. He was much more efficient on this 11 targets. They have a nice matchup here against the Giants. So those two things combined, I think you have to play C.D. Lamb in your lineups at least as a wide receiver too. And a good chance, you know, Martindale is bringing the house as part of the Giants defense has been playing as well as it is, but it also exposes corners that aren't that good. C.D. Lamb can make anybody miss, so you're kind of hoping that's a chance for the, the volume you talked about last week probably kind of hits the pay dirt. He starts having some big plays that C.D. Lamb's capable of. How about Kyle Pitts? We talked about Drake London. And as my punishment for Kyle Pitts, although I don't think it's really his fault, I got him a tight end seven. He's outside my top five this week. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he gets more than 19 yards this week. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, look, I, I think it matter you talk about him right now because Kyle Pitts to me is a guy that I haven't been necessarily as high as everybody with some fantasy, but I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. I knew London was going to be the guy, and I wasn't surprised that he was actually the alpha in this offense. But I'm surprised that Kyle Pitts has not been involved at all. I will also point out, though, that there really hasn't been any second receiver heavily involved in this no, offense at all. Um, and I talked about kind of these playbooks kind of kind of still unfolding. You know, new quarterback, still kind of adjusting new scheme, new players. They have Drake London was out for most of this, you know, camp. So you still got a lot of pieces kind of finding their way. Marcus Barrios can get better. I, I have hope for Pitts. Hopefully it hits this week, but I don't blame you for having kind of more down on him this week. Still, to me, he's still got to have top five because after the top three, 
look, he's a phenomenal athlete. The second they actually throw him the ball, he's going to be awesome. So that, I mean, you're playing Kyle Pitts, but just to kind of illustrate how bad it's been the last two weeks. All right, let's dive into our lookout for. Lookout for. Look out. Let's stick with the Falcons. Look out for Marcus Mariota. He's my QB 14 this week, which does make him a viable streaming option. He's got a safe floor. Last week, he was still a mid-level QB two. I told you guys to play him over Tom Brady. That was still the right call, despite the fact he really didn't run that much. I think he's going to run a lot more here against Seattle this week. So I have my QB 14. I think I expect this Atlanta offense to kind of find its rhythm more this week than it has the last couple of weeks. I think they're still kind of putting pieces together. It was a little clunky last week. So I think, that you, as you alluded to, Mariota was, also wasn't really utilized in the running attack. They were trying to figure out what they're doing with their you know, multiple running backs. So I think there's kind of more clarity, hopefully, going into this week where he actually gets back. And as you said, even despite all that, still had a safe floor and still over upside. These next two guys I had to do a double take on because I wound up putting in my top 12, but I don't feel really great about it. That's Aaron Rodgers at 11. It's Russell Wilson at QB 12. More just because they're Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and at some point it's got to go off, but they both have tough matchups. Tampa Bay's defense is really good. Now Lazard's back, so that's what gives me some glimmer of hope for Rodgers that he has a floor. And for Russell Wilson, he does know the 49ers quite well, and you still have Cortland Sutton, so I give him a little bit of the optimism of you'll get it going to some degree this week. And I feel like if you have a Rodgers, if you have a Wilson, you don't necessarily want to make that waiver move to pick up a streaming quarterback just yet. You kind of have to play him in your lineups. So I'm much more excited about Russell Wilson. And I think the opportunity for the 49ers definitely is there. You know, Justin Fields completed like three passes this entire season. And one of those was a bomb versus the 49er defense. Um, and that was in, in the monsoon that we all talked about. Monsoon. Yes. And it also not only was it in the monsoon, our defense, when it wasn't monsooning last year, we're still giving up big plays, hemorrhaging big plays in the passing attack. They haven't done a lot to you know, sort of prove that. What's Russ usually do when he's not cooking you know, ramen noodles, he usually should be out there throwing the bomb to Cortland Sutton. So there's a good chance for this game to kind of pop off for them. So I love his upside a lot more, safer floor. They're throwing the ball all the time. So even if not getting touchdowns, they're trying to get him touchdowns in the red zone. Well, Aaron Rodgers, look, he beat Chicago. He owns them. This Tampa Bay defense... <laughs> is going to be a, a problem. That offensive line, Green Bay, isn't what it usually is. Without Becker already back this week again, and that blitz, it's Look, going that, to be bad. That game, I'm sorry. We'll, get into what the, we'll get into what the over-under is for that game tomorrow, but whatever it is, I'm taking the under. I just don't think we're going to see a lot of offense in that game in, in general. And I think Rodgers is perfectly fine with just hanging back and saying, you know what? This is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon's offense for this season. I think this is what it's going to be. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. 
With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. And Tampa Bay tackles, so it's going to be really hard to do on that and, game. So and Tampa Bay tackles. Uh, I put Jimmy Garoppolo in my lookout for, not because you want to play him this week, but just because we're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and we're looking for, how do you look? Because you alluded to it earlier in the show. He has a practice with this team. Like, he got back healthy. They were so they were so you know convinced that they were going to trade him or move on from him at some point this summer. He didn't practice at all, and it's just weird to me. But you saw last week he looked okay when he came in. So now this week, when a team has a chance to game plan for him, and it's a good defense here against Denver, how does everything look? How does everyone else around him look? So I'm not looking at Jimmy Garoppolo as a streaming option, but just looking how he does for everyone else in this situation coming off of a week where. He suddenly has to take back over now. Yeah, and also now we get to see what his coach actually did with him. Because to me, this has been a whole bunch of G back the last couple of years. Look, everybody has their you know opinions about this guy. He was really good for you know New England. He did get hurt. The previous to that, how won a lot of games for 49ers, looked really good doing so. And they kind of gave him the keys to the kingdom. And then they turned him into Trent Dilfer and started hiding him all the time and acting like he can't <laughs> throw the ball. So I don't know what we're going to see. Are we going to see kind of, you know, a free Jimmy G last week that we did basically, or are we going to go back to Kyle Shanahan being like, I hate this guy and I'm going to try to ruin his career for some reason. I will say this is probably the most weapons the 49ers have had, especially when healthy. Since last year? Since, <laughs> well, no, they're, they're better. There are better weapons now. Absolutely. Brain Ayuk is better than what he was a season ago. You know what you have in Debo now. George Kittle is George Kittle. Jawan Jennings is better than what he was a season ago too. So I do think it's a little bit better. I think they're more willing to open it up this season. Uh, next up, we got our running backs look out for. So AJ Dillon, I've been talking about him and Aaron Jones. He am I'm a little bit worried about. Now he's still probably a flex play for me, but I do have him at RB 27 this week. It's a tougher matchup against Tampa Bay for his style of running back. I will throw this caveat out there though. Mark Ingram, Ezekiel Elliott, while they didn't do much, they were pretty efficient. So it might not be the vaunted Tampa Bay run defense we used to know. But I'm still putting my money more on this being an Aaron Jones week because of his slashing ability than A.J. Dillon. But I'm still probably playing in my lineup. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think A.J. Dillon is kind of showed to you, especially after week one. Maybe that's much like week two. is kind of weird for Chicago. But he had been involved in the passing attack, almost equal to Aaron Jones in some aspects. So he's going to continue to be featured, I think, in both passing and running attack. But I agree with you. The Sims kind of a cap because I just don't think this team is going to move the ball a whole lot. So you're kind of hoping he scores a touchdown. But, it, you know, in the half-point PPR, there's still opportunities for him to kind of catch the ball here or there because the receivers are going to have a hard time with this defense. So I agree with you. This is going to be a, a re- running back run offense. Maybe not the you know, best thing to have in your offenses or your team this week, but definitely, guys, you can still have, you know, decent floors. Melvin Gordon is an emergency flex, nothing more. He's an RB42. To me, at this point, he's more of a high-end handcuff. We alluded to it earlier. I know he's splitting carries with Javante Williams, but because he's not really involved in the passing game that much, 
he becomes a guy that you're kind of just hoping falls into the end zone to really get your value. So I'm not looking to play Melvin Gordon. And I have him at 42 this week. It's probably about the range he's going to stay for me for most of the season until something changes. Ezekiel Elliott. It's now or never, Dallas. Like, I, I don't, I'm not putting this on Zeke. They're not giving him the ball. So you have the Giants this week. It should be a good matchup on paper. It should be a game in which you should be competing back and forth. If Zeke doesn't get the ball this week, I got him at RB19 right now. If he doesn't get the ball this week, he's going to fall back into being a touchdown dependent RB3 for me. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of tough game because, like I said, you know, Martindale does probably bring some pressure. This offensive line is still kind of being pieced together in Dallas. So this isn't the greatest matchup for Zeke or for his uh, Dallas offense in general. Rush. It's going to probably be an uglier game, but I do agree with you. Zeke has kind of been looking good when he gets get the carries. Even Paul looked good last week. Um, so I think their key is Kellen Moore realizes his, you know, using CD Lamb and using the running backs is his key to success. But I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily because Kellen Moore seems to be banging his head against the wall sometimes. But I do like Zeke as an option this week. Um, I just hope that, you know, kind of gets showed what he can do. I do have Pollard as an RB34 this week. So I do have him as a flex play potentially. And the hope is that they use him in the passing game the way they used him in the passing game last week. And that's what I'm basing that off of. You can go ahead and take that shot because he does have the home run ability. Let's get into our lookout for wide receivers or Alan Lazard. So we talked about him. Wasn't great the first week back. Did find the end zone, which is basically what you're looking for. I look at Alan Lazard like an Adam Thielen. If you get your touchdown... You'll be, a, you'll be a fantasy producer. If not, then it might be ugly. But as a result, you're a wide receiver three, and they need you. Yeah, I don't know if I look at that long-term the same way that you're saying, and I'm, I think it's not bad either. But I think that right now where he is, they're still kind of babying his ankle. He's still kind of limited consistently. I don't think he looked very explosive. He did play the most snaps of all the receivers. So they're doing this four-man rotation that they have. Watson's banged up this week. Lazar has a chance to kind of get his more you know snaps, but he still hasn't really participated a lot in practice. So I have concerns that, he is very limited as kind of that glorified red zone target right now. I mean, you can't live off that, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, um, but it is kind of limiting your ceiling. But I think long term, I think it will be more than that because I think you know what we're seeing right now is the other guys aren't aren't lighting it up for Aaron Rodgers per se. Let's you know, you break coverages like who's saying So yeah, I think Alzar has good good you know, potential, but going to see a lot of problems versus Tampa Bay secondary in this team in general. How about Rashad Perryman? I got him at wide receiver 47. I may move him up a little bit higher on BillAtFantasySports.com. You can go ahead and check my rankings by the time we get to Sunday. But no Mike Evans, probably no Julio Jones, no Chris Godwin. Russell Gage looks like he's either still not 100% or he's just Tom Brady didn't actually love him as much as people tried to make it out to be, one or the other. They had to resort to signing Cole Beasley. They're running down to Scott Miller. Rashad Perryman was the number one receiver for that team last week. I don't expect a lot of production. I don't like the matchup, but if you're looking for a shot in the dark, it could be Perryman. Yeah, he's probably what you're looking for as your field stretcher. And that's what you saw. He didn't really get his reps until Mike Evans went out. Once Michael Evans went out, your Perryman got rotated in because he's clearly the outside guy, not a guy going to utilize in the slot. And you need somebody to kind of open up things for what Tom Brady does best, which is when you think Dunkey did that. So I think that Russell Gage, you know, is the guy that I like for a sneaker, a sleepy, a uh, sneaker, a uh, sleeper, a sleeper guy. Um, because I think Russell Gage has a guy that you did talk about was, was somebody they like. I think part of the reason they brought Beasley from what I'm understanding is so they can actually have the option to use Gage outside also as he kind of rounds into shape because he's not in shape as you kind of alluded to. He's not kind of there physically yet, but I think he's kind of getting better. And I think what they're looking for is he's one of the guys who they're going to kind of build the other pieces around. Sky Miller was used primarily as just a deep guy. 
Uh, eight targets led you know team last year, last week in targets, but only completed three of them. Most of them were just heaves by Brady, you know, similar to how he was heaving his you know board across the, the sidelines. So it was just basically throwing it up, hoping to make it happen at the end of the game. Sky Miller's not something that you necessarily worry about. Perriman has the upside, but it's also a guy that I don't really trust necessarily because that's like no, I I don't I agree with that. And Brandon Ayuk, I, I kind of a similar situation. Like while I think his season long prospects do improve with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback for this week, I got him at wide receiver forty two. I don't love the matchup against Denver here. They're going to use Debo Samuel all around the field. That's why he's safe and still an obvious starter. But we got to see you know Brandon Ayuk, Jimmy Garoppolo on the same page, even against tough matchups. Before I can trust to really play him. Uh, go ahead, give me give me what you got on Ayuk real quick. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, to me, I had a lot of trepidation because I know everybody's assuming we're going to get what we saw at the end of the year last year. But don't forget, Debo, that he can right now, lived off of running the ball. It wasn't getting thrown the ball. So if they're going to continue, might. he still might right now because they. And don't that, have as, as, as I said right now, they might get away with that. But I'm really curious: is Brandon you can be your number one receiver because that's what he was de facto at the end of the season last year. Is that going to continue yeah. to be his role? Uh, KJ Hamler, I got him at wide receiver 59. I may move him up a little bit higher just out of necessity, but we also can't trust what shape he's in right now and what, what he's going to be able to do. So I just think it's a Cortland Sutton show. I'd probably be looking for other options. Michael Gallup, we talked about him. He's only on my lookout for just because let's look see how he looks. He's going to be on a limited snap count. You're not playing him this week, but he was a guy that is about 50-50 as far as him being available to you on waiver wire. So just kind of give him a look. This one, Chris, I want to talk to you about the Giants wide receiver. So if Kenny Galladay cleaning out his locker, storming off, Sterling Shepard gets 10 targets with, I believe it was three catches, if my memory serves. Kadarius Tony played a little bit more. Started. Plus, he started, yeah. He still played as the third receiver because, you know, David Sills had to lead the way. In he snaps touches, for, they started. For, for some <laughs> odd reason. If Kadarius Tony plays a little bit more this week, I think he'll be back on the we can take a shot on him so on the bench to see if he booms at some point category. So that's what I want to look out for. I'm looking out to see what his usage is this week. Sterling Shepard, I got about wide receiver 44. Just from a target standpoint, a floor standpoint, if, you just, if you're a full-point PPR league and you want a guy who might get you double-digit targets, that's probably Shepard. Nope. I think who you should have to lock him in is James because that seems to be who's going to get double-digit targets. Richie James is the guy that you want because that's the guy who gets playing time because that's the guy who practices the best, I guess, because that's who they love. What a disaster that's become. How about Dalton Schultz? So Schultz is tight in 12 for me right now. Assuming he He's plays not play. and assuming that something happens. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's not going to play. I know. I don't want to interrupt Ryan earlier, but they were reporting that, you know, Jerry Jones said he wasn't going to play this week. He'd be out at least a week and they, they didn't practice today. So there's no, well, no, so Jones play. flipped the script. He said that on Monday and then on Wednesday, he was like, Schultz actually might be able to play this, this Monday coming up. So like he did change. He, he went back and forth okay. a little bit. Well, I that's it. That he, he didn't, didn't practice at all. They said he didn't practice at all. And there's no inclination that he should be playing. No, he didn't practice. He didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice today because the Monday game, they had the extra day of practice this week. So you're still on the lookout for. If he does practice a little bit, then we have to actually consider him because, again, that's how bad the tight end situation is. If not, there's not another tight end on Dallas that I care about. It would just be more targets for CD Lamps. So no, and just to point, mind. sorry, to point this out real quick. I, you know, I love Dalton Schultz. I've been a big proponent of his. Him and Cooper Rush have not been on the same page. You look back to last year, he got targeted a lot. But they were not similar to this year. This must be very efficient. It's not a guy that seemed to be very good together. 
All right, let's wrap this thing up with the be cautious of. Be cautious of. We're not playing Gino. You're not playing Cooper Rush. You're not playing Daniel Jones. The guy I want to talk about in this group, you're not playing Tom Brady. Doesn't have the weapons. They seem very content, kind of like the other side of the Packers going on right now, to win by with defense and let Leonard Fournette try to control the game. They won last week against the Saints by Brady doing just enough in the fourth quarter for them to find a way to win. It's another tough defense here against Green Bay. I got Tom Brady at QB 18, but here's my more overall point. Do not drop Tom Brady. There's still He's still going to turn around. He's still going to get his weapons back at some point. I'm just not playing him this week. So I think I recall Justin Jefferson having a really good week one. I think it was against this vaunted Green Bay defense. I don't know if Green Bay is suddenly back because they shut down Justin Fields' offense, and now we know Green Bay's defense. The Bucks defense do not have a Justin Jefferson. They don't have Justin Jefferson, no. But they have a Tom Brady. They don't have Justin Fields. So that's what I'm pointing out. I don't think Green Bay's defense is all of a sudden, you know, all right back because they were good last week. They sucked week one. They got lit up by Minnesota. Dalvin Cook ran all over them. He took Leonard Fournette earlier on. You get Tom Brady play action passes off a guy who can run. I think I'll take those chances. I think Brady's a guy that I don't love the ceiling necessarily. But I think isn't a guy I'm necessarily benching this week. Yeah, he stunk against Dallas, who does usually traditionally give up fantasy points, and he didn't do anything against the Saints. So did Joe Burrow. Okay. And no, Burrow had a good fantasy game against Dallas. What did he do? He finished. He finished as a top twelve quarterback against Dallas. If I if memory serves, or no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Week One. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Week One that he he had he had a bad game against the Steelers, but he still had a top fantasy finish. In that game, that that was not against Dallas. Absolutely correct, but that goes to sir. It was plaguing Joe Burrow is what plaguing Tom Brady. Bad offensive line, no one to throw the ball to. You have Mika much Parsons. better. You have much better options to go to. <laughs> Say Mika Parsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> throw the that's ball what's plaguing. No, that's what's plaguing them. <laughs> yes, against Green Bay, you still have no weapons to go to. You still have no offensive line. So at the end of the day, you still have a lot better weapons to go to. You're not playing Tom Brady this week. I'm not playing with fire on that. You can hold him and go to next week. That's what I would do in that situation. Uh, be cautious of the running backs for, well, of the, of the running backs. I'm not playing Tyler Algier. Yes, he split carries with Cordell Patterson. Was very inefficient. And as I talked about, I think some of the course correction happens with Patterson there. Algier's going to get some work. But unless he falls into the end zone, he's not getting worked in the passing downs. He's not really a very explosive back. It's not a very great offensive line. So I'm not expecting big things out of Tyler Algier unless he falls in the end zone. You want to roster him, but you don't want to actually play him. And then this one is what I think is going to get people. You're benching all of the Seattle running backs, including Rashad Penny. Look, I don't know what the usage has been, Go, what, what, what the explanation for it has been. Week one, there was no Kenneth Walker Rashad Benny still barely touched the ball. Last week, I don't know why, because it always works out so well when they do this, but Travis Homer had to get incredibly involved and actually play ahead of everybody, which did nothing for anyone. And now Walker, I liked what I saw out of Walker with him coming back off the hernia injury. If this is a three-man committee or a situation where Rashad Penny's just not touching the ball, I'm not playing him. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I like this long-term situation, but right now they haven't scored in six quarters offensively. So you can't necessarily wind a running back who's gotten three guys kind of eating at that trough when you're not scoring touchdowns. Well, actually, that goes well into our next headline of talking about the wide receivers. I'm not playing Seattle wide receivers this week either. And it just made me laugh when I got that headline of, we're going to unleash Geno Smith 
and that's going to be the cure. What the hell is unleashing Geno Smith? Like, what does that even mean? There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. And I'm also benching both DK Metcalf. He's at my wide receiver 38. He's outside top 36. You don't have to play him. Tyler Lockett is at my wide receiver 43. You don't have to play him. I know Lockett had a good game last week, but it's either going to be one or the other or none. It's not. It's never going to be both. And as we alluded to before, the Falcons have two really good corners. I'm not messing with that. I think you can find better options. I'm going to continue to ride DK. I know that everybody's down on it because of Geno Smith and you know, the usage and the yardage. Uh, I want them to go look back at last year's yardage. yardage. What's difference is, is touchdowns. Not necessarily the yardage is a huge difference because he wasn't lighting it up yardage-wise last year to begin the season either. It's touchdowns. So I'm kind of waiting for DK to have his uh, touchdown opportunity. I don't have seen that yet. While I'm worried about the running attack, I think they're going to have to throw the ball at some point. DK continues to be a guy they look to utilize. So I like his upside. So as an upside guy, but I understand, you know, being interpretation. How much touchdown upside can you have with a team that doesn't score? And that that's kind of the problem. That's why he's not going to be a play for me this week. Uh, moving on to the tight ends. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not playing any other Green Bay receiver not named Alan Lazard, and I'm not playing Russell Gage until I see him back and healthy. Any disagreements there? Gage at full point APR. Okay. Uh, and then tight ends, not playing Noah Fant. He's talking about committees. Seattle, the whole team's a committee. They even have tight end committees going on right now. It's, it's insane. Can we just stop ever talking about Noah Fant and Hamler, just period? Can they just go in the same box so they don't get talked about <laughs> fantasy-wise? Because I'm so That's tired fine. of either one. I'm, I'm okay. I'm definitely okay with that. And then Robert Tunyon, we're not playing him. We thought maybe he could emerge, but again, he's just he's just not getting the work. What about the Bucks' tight ends? You know, Cameron Brait was never that great, but we used to remember him scoring touchdowns. That doesn't even seem to be like in the cards for him anymore. No, and he played the most snaps of all the tight ends. Um, the problem seems to be they're still rotating guys, but they're also just you know offensively, as you kind of lose, they're not really kind of on their group. Leonard Fournette has yet to score a touchdown. Their offense is just kind of you know not finding its not niche. I think a big part of that is getting into the red zone. Um, they haven't really got the, in there consistently to kind of utilize the camera break some of those guys who they, you know, really likes to utilize when you get closer to the end zone. So I think the tight ends in general are guys who stay away from Kempe until you see the receiver starting to with tight ends. All right. And we're not playing Albert O. So let's go ahead with the mailbag segment. Mail time, mail the mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment or if you need help with your lineups throughout the week, all you got to do is go to social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. We'll help you guys out. No matter what the question is, we'll pick out a few of our favorite ones, put it on here. You could also ask your questions live during the show, too. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, our first question here is King Dan 68 Love the name. Trade Dalvin Cook for Javante Williams and Drake London. I say yes. I absolutely love Dalvin Cook. Hell yeah. Whoever's trading you that, you push the button. Yes, except immediately take that trade. Uh, Otto Droid, at least I think that's the username anyway, he asked me, Tua or Burrow this week? And this is this is my classic overreaction to a crazy week or a crazy fourth quarter that Tua Tagalavoa had. You're playing Joe Burrow against the Jets. Have you watched Buffalo's defense and what they do to bad offensive lines over the past two weeks? Yeah, Miami, while they're better equipped than some of those other two teams that the Buffalo Bills played, their offensive line is still terrible. It could be a long day for Tua. You're definitely playing Burrow against the Jets there. Yeah, I love Tua, and I think that he still might have a decent game, but I think Burrow has definitely more upside potential. 
Jeff, he asked me, James Robinson or Jeff Wilson? I have Jeff Wilson four spots ahead of James Robinson because, well, he's not splitting time with the Travis Etienne. He's splitting time with everybody else, but it won't necessarily affect his passing game. He's splitting time, definitely... so he's 18 carries. Who cares? Well, I was going to say he hasn't split his time in the passing attack, so that's definitely where James Robinson is splitting time, obviously, with Travis Etienne, so he has more upside. That does it for today's show. Chris, you and I will be back here tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern with Chaz Filardi at 10.30 talking about our DFS lineups and our cashing Friday bets of the week. And, guys, make sure you check out. I have it here. It's in the comments. It's also in our social media pages on our pinned posts. If you go there, you can join our DFS contest for free. Or you can go against me head-to-head on Flex Fantasy slash BellyUpFF. And you can take me on the MDFF show on any open challenge I have. I got five of them out right now. And if you win either DFS contest or one of the head-to-head challenges, your name will be submitted for the end of the month for the raffle for an autographed John Randall jersey. And this is the last week to qualify for the month of September because October's next week, baby. And I already secured the prize for that. So tomorrow, I'm going to announce what the prize is for October. October. So everybody come back here at 10 p.m. on our YouTube channel. And until then, have a great, great evening. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.